righty, happy Tuesday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Want to welcome to the program former Congressman Mike Rogers from the state of Michigan, District 8, the Fightin' 8th, right? I think it's what, no, I'm kidding. Fightin' 8th. Uh, <laughs> uh, Congressman, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, you're in town, well, you're in the Carolinas, you're on your way down to South Carolina, you're going to be giving a... Uh, speech, a lecture tonight at Wofford College in Spartanburg. It's 7 o'clock, by the way, if anybody wants to go attend. It's free and open to the public. And the uh, the uh, name of it, the title is The Importance of the American Dream at Home and Abroad. And uh, this kind of work, it dovetails with the work that you're doing with this organization, uh, 501c4, called Leadership to Ensure the American Dream. So first off, tell me what exactly is this uh, lead organization? What's the What's the purpose? Well, when we first started this, it was all about trying to reignite people's passion for the United States and to know what does unite us, right? We spend a lot of time in this country telling each other why we're different by race or gender or religion or zip code. Uh, and we tend to get our politics get pretty small surrounded around those set of topics. Uh, and we have forgotten that there is still no other place in the world that has the land of opportunity like the United States. Now, it doesn't always have to be that way, and that's one of the reasons we started this organization. Uh, and it, does, you know, it doesn't always have to be a free enterprise-based system either. And so those are the kinds of things we're trying to reorient people to understand, like, hey, this is an amazing place we have here. Uh, and if we're not careful, if our politics doesn't get a little bigger in its aperture, Countries like China are going to push us off the world stage. And we say that because China tells the world they're going to push the United States off the world stage. And so, again, we're just trying to get people to say, listen, there's some huge challenges we have to deal with in the coming future. Uh, but we can't forget that America is an idea. So we can have lots of differences, lots of different opinions. Uh, but we can't be angry on one team and angry on the other team and everybody in the middle uh, just full of apathy and expect to win this strategic competition with China. And so we're, we're working through those uh, processes. I have to tell you, I have not met so many people in my lifetime that are politically discouraged. Politic uh, they're, they're exhausted almost. And they're starting to feel like it just doesn't matter anymore. They can't change it. That's dangerous for us, and LEAD is trying to reignite that passion about, hey, listen, we don't always have to agree, but we have to agree on one thing. America, as the idea, must preserve, uh, and that there is so much good happening here, we just got to start talking about it. So is it possible, though, that the, the, there are people, uh, and I don't know if it's a critical mass, but there are people that do not uh, agree with you on what the American dream is. And so when you warn about us getting muscled off the world stage, they see that as a feature, not a bug. Well, not, I mean, that's not the way we present it. I, what I'm going to do tonight is present that threat in a way that I think people will understand what we're talking about. It, it is, it's huge. And again, they want to take away our ability and we don't, we don't tell you what your American dream is. That's not what we're all about. Everybody's American dream should be different. You can be your own person doing your own good in your own way. And it sounds crazy, but this is the only place in the world you get that set of criteria. You get to do it. You get to decide. Is your American dream you get a boat uh, and get to go fishing on the weekends? Man, that's fantastic. If it's you have a bigger house, fantastic. We're not saying we don't define what your American dream is. What we say is 
the idea of America and the American dream is worth protecting. And so at its basic, it's those three things. But what we have coming at us, we just have to be prepared. You know, great example. We have a spending problem in the United States of America. We better pay attention to it. In 2021, the interest on the national debt. Now, this is the interest. Doesn't buy. It doesn't send one Medicare check. It doesn't say well, no one Social Security check. It doesn't do any of that. It just pays the interest on the money we've borrowed is $562 billion in 2021. All right? Think of that. The entire Defense Department budget in 2021 was about $700 billion. That's when interest rates were cheap. Today, they're going to probably be about five times what they were in 2021 with all the interest rate raises. You have to pay the interest on the debt every year. Are we going to tell ourselves that the largest discretionary spending is our, the interest payment on our debt? But we can't afford this. And our government's the last place to be modernized. I think these are things that people can kind of rally around. Uh, I mean, do you need 87,000 new IRS agents? Or do we need to modernize our tax code so it's simpler, fair, easier to understand? You don't have to have a legion of accountants to try to help you pay your taxes. Most people want to pay the fair share of their taxes. So it's, it's just these kinds of notions and ideas uh, where we can uh, start to move the country around. Listen, we're always better when we understand that people want to take away what we have. And I got bad news for you. There's lots of people in the world, and I've traveled all over the world, gone to good places, mostly bad places, that want to take those things away. And you think about that. Well, what does that mean? When the Soviets were trying to say that communism is coming to your uh, neighborhood near you, uh, and the Soviet Union was saying, we're, gonna, we're willing to fight and die for that notion, guess what? We all came together and said, okay, there's certain things we have to do. When, when the Russians beat us to the moon, uh, we had that great challenge from John F. Kennedy, who stood up and said, you know what? We're gonna, we are going to put a man on the moon within a decade. Uh, they challenged us, and they challenged America to understand, okay, guess what? We can't come in second place. Uh, you think about, uh, I mean, all of those kinds of big challenges for us where we understood it. And lately, we've been a little bit apathetic. We, don't, we think this is just going to be the way the country is and operates because we think it's just going to be the way it is and operates. Do you think that people don't know that there's... Because I mean, you mentioned communism, there is a communist nation that is saying what you just said earlier, China, but we don't seem to be rising to that occasion. In fact, we seem to be willing to just take their money and welcome them into our universities, welcome them into our businesses, into defense contractors. It, it's bizarre to me. Well, it's because uh, when have you had national leadership actually talking about what that strategic competition with China looks like? We spend a lot of time in this country debating things that candidly don't rise to that level. They're, I'm not saying they're not important things, but when you're mad at your neighbor and the only thing that matters is being mad at your neighbor, right, you're probably not going to solve the problem. And so that's where we find ourselves in America. We're in this malaise of, and, and you said it, people are starting to think, I don't know, is the American dream even possible anymore? When you get enough people tip over on that, uh, we're in trouble. And guess what? The Chinese and other countries, the Russians, the North Koreans, uh, the Iranians, all want us to believe that mm -hmm. because that makes us a weaker nation. You know, and if we get back to our core principles of a strong national defense, a free enterprise system that's free of heavy burden government and regulation uh, and understands that this is the, the, you know, still the land of opportunity, we can kind of, if we can agree on those things, we understand what the threat is, then we can start saying, guess what? We are not ready for this competition. And by the way, our politics can't be between anger and apathy. It has to be about action. Right now, for the last few cycles, what has it been? Anger and apathy. Anger and apathy. We have to get over this. 
we have to pull ourselves up and say, do you want to protect for this generation and future generations the idea that they, too, can be their own person, do their own good in their own way? Then we have to do things to put ourselves in a position to compete against China, and we're not doing that today. My guest is former Congressman Mike Rogers. He is now uh, the founder of LEAD, Leadership to Ensure the American Dream. By the way, that uh, website is leadamerica.org. And uh, he's going to be doing a lecture down at Wofford College in Spartanburg, 7 o'clock tonight. It is free and open to the public. Uh, you are also the former uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. So when we come back, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about what's going on geopolitically, if that's, uh, that's all right. I'll answer everything I can. I may have to lock your head in a safe afterwards. Would not be the first time. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Former U.S. Congressman Mike Rogers from Michigan is with me in studio. He is the uh, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. You also may have seen him on uh, CNN and Fox News. Uh, you served in the U.S. Army, FBI Special Agent as well. Founder of LEAD, which is called Leadership to Ensure the American Dream. That website is leadamerica.org. Um, but I wanted to ask you about some of the news today out of Ukraine and uh, what I saw was is the uh, New York Post uh, latest maneuver uh, latest maneuvers by Russia could signal an increasingly desperate Vladimir Putin's willingness to escalate the war following a series of embarrassing defeats on the battlefield, including the loss of a key city in Donetsk and the most recent setbacks in the Kherson region. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those correctly, but. Well done. Um, well done. Whoa, all right. Not bad. And uh, Russia's nuclear arsenal now has been spotted moving towards the front lines of Ukraine. How worried should we be? Well, I mean, anytime you have a, uh, an angry dog set in the corner, you, gotta, you have to prepare yourself for the worst. And he has said that he would use nuclear weapons uh, as a tactic on the battlefield. And so we have to understand there's different kinds of nuclear weapons. Uh, they're all bad. N- none of them good. But they have ones that are low yield. If you think of a, an artillery shell, the size of an artillery shell, they have nuclear-sized artillery shells that have low yield. But in a battlefield where you're losing ground, it could be used to prevent access from your adversary's troops to getting close to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so he has always said that's off the table in any nuclear negotiations, he has said in speeches he believes that that's a, just a tool, another tool, because it's a low-yield nuclear weapon. Uh, we don't look at it that way. The world doesn't look at it that way. Uh, but when you have a desperate man saying desperate things, I think you have to pay attention, right? Um, and so I, most people I talk to are a little skeptical he would go ahead and pull the trigger, because then how does he keep China? You know, China actually is propping up. Russia. Hmm. They're buying their stuff. They're filling in their technical needs. You know, when when Ericsson and Nokia pulled out of Russia based on their invasion of Ukraine, guess who came back in? The Chinese came in and put their own equipment in there. Uh, and so they're, you know, artificially supporting uh, and, you know, through the wink and the nod, supporting Russia's efforts. And so you have he would have to worry about what happens if I did lose China as uh, a backer. Yeah, they, as his like, backer. Now, right? now yeah. they become radioactive, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, exactly. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Right. And so I that would that would that's one consideration. And he's crazy, but he's not. Well, it's kind of hard <laughs> to argue. He's not foolish, uh, but he's made some foolish mistakes. But he did that based on his military, telling him, "Hey, we're ready to go, best military in the world." And by the way, the U.S. was saying, "Hey, really good military, best in the world." We all believed it. Yeah. The Russians believed it. He believed it, and we believed it. 
Uh, come to find out, his uh, conscription army aren't worth a darn, right? And they're just getting their clocks cleaned. And, you know, they didn't have the moral authority of why they were there. That's always another big difference on how hard you fight. Yeah, the Ukrainians were fighting for something real. Uh, it's their homeland. Yeah. They, and they watched the Russians slaughter their countrymen, their mm-hmm. men, women, children. And they said, not on our watch. We're not going to allow it to happen, and we'll fight till we're dead. I don't, we don't care. And you know that ought to take some inspiration in Americans about how hard people will fight for freedom uh, versus you know, maybe us being a little confused about what that means for yeah. them because we're so far removed from the uh, horrors of that stuff. There was another uh, angle to this. Uh, NATO told its members in an intelligence report that Russia is expected to test a powerful nuclear torpedo drone called Poseidon. In the very near future, what does that tell you? Um, I, I candidly think we saw this before where there was a so-called leak of a nuclear capability that Russia had on a missile, much like we're just talking about, where they had a press conference and the camera, this is state-run Russian TV, ran this camera across the table and there were plans for something that looked a lot like this Poseidon thing and it was leaked out. Uh, and, of course, someone was fired immediately, and the cameraman was, please, right? I mean, I, you know. You think it was? Oh, completely. There is no way that state-run TV ran these blueprints of a weapon system that clearly the Russians wanted the United States to know, or our West, to know that they had. What's the benefit of that? Why show your hand? Uh, because it's it was not part of the SALT agreement. They wanted to tell you that, listen, if you, you get a little too bitey with us, and what that would be designed to do is take out an entire port. If you're wondering, it's not about anti-ship anything. It's about taking out ports. So the whole if you, city. Uh, the whole port. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the, think of a functioning port where you get uh, everything. The, everything you have in your house likely went through a port or most of it at some point or other, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, imagine if that port has nothing to deliver. No, nothing's coming in and nothing's going out. So you think of all the port buildup, uh, even in Los Angeles, you look at that and you go, that caused all of us to have less things at the supermarket. Guess what? You take out two or three of those ports, you have created a major economic problem for anybody that has ports and depends on imports uh, to function. And so they're sending sending signals. Like nobody said there's no uh, treaty that says I can't use that. There's no treaty that says I can't fire a nuclear artillery round to stop people from getting further than they are. And so that's why you have to take them seriously, and he's positioning his negotiation, right? Which is why I argue we should have gone, uh, we should have given more capable weapon systems to the Ukrainians earlier. I think we would have had Putin at the table earlier. Now we're doing this. We're going to give you just enough not to lose. What of the argument that we should not be involved in fighting another overseas war? Well, we're not fighting it. The Ukrainians are fighting. Uh, I argue that when, you know, the light of freedom dies somewhere, a little piece of it dies everywhere. Uh, And you have other countries who don't play by our rules, who are autocratic. China's a great example. They're paying attention. They're thinking, hey, if if nobody does anything, let's take Taiwan. Uh, And the Russians, by the way, didn't want to stop at Ukraine. He said that. Uh, and then we, we, the other countries he's interested in are NATO members. Now you got a whole nother ball, of, you know, kettle of fish. My argument is don't let them get there because then we don't have a lot of options. We have options in Ukraine. Uh, and you know there was an argument, uh, an interesting argument in World War II that said, hey, if we just let him have what he had, talking about Hitler's expansion into Eastern uh, to, into Europe, um, ex- 
particularly the Czechoslovakian mm-hmm. occupation, that they'll be done, and that's will be it, and then we'll manage the problem. I, it was a mistake then. I think this is a mistake now because he often talks about the Soviet Union should have never gone away. Well, mm-hmm. that's a lot bigger than Ukraine, uh, and that's a lot of people that uh, are allies, friends, and more importantly, they have uh, democracies, right? And I just think it's always a dangerous thing to say, well, it won't affect me uh, here in North Carolina uh, if – half of Europe goes and falls back into a totalitarian state. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on the long term. We've seen that that just doesn't work out. And so why don't we fix the problem up front and early, make that small investment so you don't have a bigger conflict later? And I just think we have to put it in perspective. Mike Rogers, he's giving a lecture called The Importance of the American Dream at Home and Abroad down at Wofford College in Spartanburg. It's at 7 o'clock tonight. It's free and open to the public. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And we'll, we'll see folks down in Wofford. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to former Congressman Mike Rogers. Stopping by on his way down to Wofford College in Spartanburg, 7 o'clock tonight. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. Hang on. Reminds me uh, that it's not tonight. It's actually Thursday night. Bo and Beth, they're going to kick off the Talktoberfest. Uh, WBT's Talktoberfest starts on uh, Thursday. But you probably know that because I think I just heard a promo for it, right? I think I did just hear a promo for it. So why do it again? Instead, how about this? Saturday, uh, I'm going to be in uh, Gaston County for the uh, for the big Alzheimer's walk. ALZ.org, all the details. Come see me and walk. Donate some money. Fight Alzheimer's. Um, all right, so a couple things I mentioned uh, with uh, former Congressman Rogers. A Russian military train reportedly transporting equipment for the nation's nuclear weapons program to the front lines of its war with Ukraine, sparking fears that Russian President Vladimir Putin could be preparing to use these weapons on the battlefield amid his nation's mounting losses in the war. Um, But it was interesting during one of the breaks uh, uh, while we were not on air, Congressman Rogers, uh, because I asked him, I said, were you surprised? Are you surprised at the, the way the Russians have... Performed and he said, "Yeah, yeah, kinda." Like he said, "It's a," uh, he says, "A lack of training has been very, very clear," uh, which was surprising. They've got, he says, "They've got the equipment. That's not the problem. It's the training." And uh, then I mentioned the tire story to him. Remember the when the rains came, is all muddy in Ukraine, and all the Russian trucks and the convoy got stuck in the mud. And then just some guy on Twitter. That's why I love Twitter. Um, just some guy. Right, worked in the motor pool in the U.S. Armed Services, and he was like, "Let me tell you." He's like, "I know what I'm looking at," and that is a lack of essentially what Congressman Rogers said: lack of training. They did not rotate their equipment, right? They did not do the things that you have to do to keep the tires from getting uh, degraded by the sun, sitting in the sun for too long. You gotta, you gotta move the vehicles around. You gotta back them in. You gotta rotate the tires. You gotta do a whole bunch of this stuff, like monthly, because the tires are so big and they get so much sun. And the Russians didn't do it. It's a training issue. So the UK Telegraph 
uh, reported in what could be a signal to the West that Putin is escalating his efforts to win in Ukraine, a sign that he is feeling vulnerable over how things are going. NATO told its members in an intelligence report that Russia is expected to test a powerful nuclear torpedo drone called Poseidon in the near future. And Putin warned of using nuclear weapons last week. What else here? This was from the Daily Wire. Um, that, again, NATO uh, warned its members, including the U.S., that Russia's Belgorod nuclear sub has left its base in the Arctic Circle. Measuring more than 600 feet in length, the Belgorod is the largest sub in the world. It is capable of carrying doomsday Poseidon nuclear torpedo drones, which, according to Russia, could trigger 1,600-foot nuclear tsunamis that would inundate coastal cities from hundreds of miles away and render them uninhabitable for decades. H.I. Sutton wrote at his website, Covert Shores, back in March, quote, This nuclear mega-torpedo is unique in the history of the world. Poseidon is a completely new category of weapon. It'll reshape naval planning in both Russia and the West, leading to new requirements and new counter-weapons. Hans Christensen, director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists, uh, noted that Poseidon torpedoes are still in the development stage and won't be operational for at least the next several years. Or so we think. NATO intelligence uh, reportedly believes that uh, the submarine is uh, heading off to conduct a series of secret tests. Now, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Secretary of State Antony Blinken responded to Putin's remarks by warning Russia of catastrophic consequences if it were to deploy its nuclear arsenal. I don't know what those would be. I don't know if I want them to say... I don't know if I believe them. (laughs) There's a lot of unknowns. In a saber-rattling speech Friday at a ceremony announcing the annexation of four regions of Ukraine, Putin accused the U.S. of creating a precedent for using nuclear weapons when it bombed Japan during World War II. Because it's totally the same. Former CIA Director David Petraeus predicted that if Putin were to deploy nuclear weapons, the U.S. and other NATO members would destroy Russia's forces and sink the Black Sea Fleet. So, our path to World War III continues apace. Um, One of the things in uh, the discussion with Congressman Rogers, we started off talking about his organization, the Leadership to Ensure the American Dream, uh, LEAD is the acronym, and uh, in some of the chat, and he's talking about, you know, what makes America special and unique in the world, what unites us. And I, I, I did not get it. I didn't have enough time to ask him all the questions. I overprepare. I see I have all these different questions and then I never get to like 80 percent of them. But. He talked a little bit about this, you know, we're angry and apathetic and and. Like, I'm wondering, this polarization question, this polarization issue, um, it's evident in so many different things. And I'm not sure that the people who are in charge of the institutions are capable of having 
discourse in an agreeable way in order to advance uh, knowledge, for lack of a better term, insight, understanding, right? The people who are supposed to be the ones that are leading these institutions that are, are able to have these discussions and able to bring things out and to you know discuss areas of expertise and examine the issue from different angles, they're just incapable of doing so. And I, I count media in that group of institutions. The people who are in media, the ones who are storytelling, right? The ones who are out there that they just, you know, they wanted to tell stories, which, by the way, that, right, that was always one of the things I'd ask people, why'd you get into when I go talk to classes and stuff? I would ask, you know, who wants to get into journalism? And you know, 20 years ago, some people would say yes, but, um, but yeah, virtually nobody radio. And the ones who wanted to get into radio just wanted to be, you know, sports people. But why are you doing this? What are you getting into this line of work for? And a lot of times in college, they would talk about, you know, changing the world and, you know, making an impact and, you know, bringing stories to light. Essentially, the comfort, the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? That sort of idea. But then when it's interesting, when you talk to people that are in the profession, a lot of them just say, oh, you know, to tell the stories, tell people's stories. And I, I understand that's part of it, by the way. But unfortunately, storytelling it's turned into something else, you know, it's literally, it's, it's now fabulism, right? It's, it's crafting of narratives and advancing fiction. And I think a lot of this is at play and you could see it as a great example in confidence in our elections. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, All right, so let me get... I had an email here I want to read. Um, oh, this is somebody else. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Tim says, Pete, regarding Congressman Mike Rogers, thanks for letting him express the neocon talking points bipartisan when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And um, this is from Joseph from simplifying the tax code to an adapted to Russia. Let's fight him over there so we don't have to fight him here. Foreign policy. Mike Rogers is everything I hate about the GOP. Our cities are consumed with crime. Academia and the media are full of communists and inflation is making us all poorer. I don't care about the tax code or Ukraine right now. Sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. Uh <laughs> no, I, this is why, uh, you know, this idea that um, he may be running for president at some point, maybe testing the waters or something. Uh, there has been speculation about it. I don't know if he could actually get through a GOP primary because that exact sentiment. It is now pervasive in both parties. There is a, uh, the uh, sort of the anti-war, no endless war kind of stuff. And uh, one of the things, by the way, that... I think uh, almost all of the candidates uh, are, well, I shouldn't say that. Just because I was thinking when I did the debate between the Green and the uh, Libertarian candidates, they both agreed on this stuff too. No endless wars, you know, no more foreign intervention, that sort of thing. 
Uh, and that strain, this is very much a part of uh, the populist strain inside the GOP now as well. There has been for a very long time that kind of uh, anti-war strain inside the Democrat Party. So, yeah, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you make, you know, make those pitches, especially in a polarized society as we are in right now. Um, you've got. I mean, and I, we were talking with him in the, uh, the first segment and I asked him sort of along those lines, like, you know, people there are people trying to take us apart from inside China, Russia. They want us they want us at each other's throats. Um, but there are a lot of people in our own country from our own country. Right. That don't agree with us on what the American dream is. They don't agree with us on um, on what makes us great or unique. They would actually prefer us be like some of these other countries in different ways. There's a lack of confidence in institutions and rightfully so, rightfully so, because people in charge of these institutions have besmirched themselves and the institutions. I mentioned this the other day, I quoted Brett Winterbull, the uh, host from three to six here on WBT who said that America is fundamentally divided among two, pe- uh, two groups of people, the serious and the unserious, right? And I, I tend to agree. And there are a lot of people that pretend to be serious but are not. And like me, like, I pretend to not be serious, but I am totally serious all the time. Anyway, 44% of likely Republican voters have little to no confidence that their vote in the election will be counted accurately, according to a new poll from WRAL. 44% of likely Republican voters, 44%, have little to no confidence. Is that because of Donald Trump? Well, if you listen to Michael Bitzer, the Catawba College political scientist who analyzes voting trends, he's quoted all over the place. Most notable for uh for blocking me on twitter i think no he just muted me i'm just kidding he didn't block me he muted me but um yeah he didn't i mean here's a political scientist that doesn't care uh, to hear anything that i have to say as all good poli sci people do but um this is a myopic view from dr bitzer by the way i do respect his work and i think he's a very smart guy and I appreciate all that he has contributed to North Carolina politics and the analysis of North Carolina politics. Now, all of that being said, um, how do you talk about confidence in elections while, yes, also talking about Donald Trump and, quote, the big lie? But how do you talk about that without talking about all of the other undermining of confidence in our elections? History did not begin in 2020. And for somebody, an expert like Dr. Bitzer, to just gloss over it. Now, look, maybe he gave some more quotes about this. And Brian Anderson, Mr. Anderson, maybe Mr. Anderson at the uh, WRAL just failed to include those quotes. I don't know. It's hard to get a read on it. I don't know. I don't know where the blame goes uh, for this story. But this is what I'm talking about by besmirching institutions, undermining your own credibility. Between the two of them, you would think that it's only due to Donald Trump. 
I was, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was old enough to, rem- I'm old enough to remember when uh, Hillary Clinton talked about how the election was stolen from her by the Russians and Donald Trump, that they hacked our election. There are videos, you can find them, not hard to find online, videos of all the times media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, said that Donald Trump hacked the election with the help of the Russians, that they changed vote totals. And this was roughly the same percentage of the Democrat population that thought their candidate had the election stolen from her. And by the way, this is not the only election cycle where this has occurred. This has literally been the hallmark of every single Republican presidential election victory in my adult lifetime. Every Republican that has won, going back to 2000, every Republican has always been accused of winning it by cheating or being installed. Their victory was illegitimate, whether it was the uh, the Florida steel and the hanging chads and all of that down in Florida, whether it was the Diebold machines four years later, or Diebold, whatever, the company that you know changed all the votes for George W. Bush. Or it was Hillary Clinton saying that the Russians hacked our election. You bring in Stacey Abrams as well. Democrats have been making this argument that the election system is hackable and corrupted and that presidents win through illegitimate means. It's been going on for 20-something years. This is not new. It is bipartisan. (laughs) 